So a few years ago, we were living in Knoxville, and Jackie and I and the kids, we decided that we would plant a garden in our backyard. Uh, so we found this little area of the backyard behind the porch that we were going to dig up and make into a garden. We wanted to teach our kids about planting seeds and flowers and fruits and all those, all those kind of things that happen. We thought, hey, this would be a good learning experience, a fun thing for the family, so let's do that. So we picked the area of the yard, we, we dug it up. Um, we had some different seeds to plant. We planted, I think, some pumpkin seeds, and we had some flowering plants, and we took a Saturday and just kind of dug up the soil there, uh, planted the seeds, got them just the right depth, you know, so they'd be able to grow, watered, watered the soil, got everything all set up, and then we left it. You know, a couple weeks later, uh, it's the weekend again, we're going to, to check out, hey, how is our garden going, right? And, and I want to be able to show the kids uh, so they can see, like, the miracle of life or whatever, you know, budding out of the ground, or there's going to be some little sprouts just starting to shoot up. But I can be like, hey, Thomas, look at this. And be like, oh, cool, Dad. You know, I'm, I've got this whole thing pictured, you know, oh, you know, gardening, yay. So I go out there, and I am furious. I am furious. The neighbor cat, the neighbor cat, I guess had spotted, he'd spotted us earlier, you know, these humans digging around in the dirt. That looks like a lot of fun. And then when, whenever we left, he came back, um, and he, he dug up the whole garden. He dug up all the seeds. I don't know if he ate the seeds. I don't know the cats do that, but they couldn't find the seeds. He dug them up. Um, and, and to make matters worse, he, he turned the garden into his own personal uh, litter box, which I found out the hard way, because as I'm on my hands and knees, I'm digging in the garden, trying to figure out, are there any seeds that I can salvage? Is there any bulbs or anything that's still still usable? And I'm digging around, and I get a, whole, a handful of cat poop. And I was like, oh, man. I mean, this is why people wear gloves when they do their gardening, right? So I've got, I've got cat poop all over my hands. I'm mad at this cat. You know, if I saw that cat, it'd be bad news, you know, and, and, and frustrated with this cat. You know, messed up, messed up the garden, um, and I think we tried to, to set it back right again, but it was never quite the same, right? I don't know what your experience is with gardening. You may have a green thumb. You may be super good at making stuff grow. Um, <laughs> that's, that's my story. That's my experience with gardening there um, is, is, yeah, the, the neighbor cat coming in and, and digging up uh, everything that we planted and then, and then pooping. Uh, right there instead. And so, so we're talking tonight um, about these concepts of gardening and soil and seed uh, and things growing, and, and we're relating that to the condition of our heart. Why are our hearts the way they are? Why, why are human beings the way that they are? Uh, why do we uh, react uh, to things the way that we do? Why do we react to God the way that we do? Um, and, and, and maybe your heart, and maybe your heart is like that soil, like where the the, the cat got in and dug it up and pooped in it. Man, I hope not. If that's you, if you've got the, the cat poop heart, we're going to pray for you, right? But we're going to be talking about those kind of things, those ideas of growing and soil and all those kind of things uh, tonight, and then relating that, man, to the human conditioning and understanding, man, why are we the way that we are? You know, this semester in Chi Alpha, we're going through a series called Let Me Tell You a Story. Let me tell you a story, looking at the different stories and parables of Jesus. You know, the Gospels tell us that every single time, that Jesus taught, he used some kind of story, some kind of parable. And as we move through the series, each Thursday night when we come together, we're going to be taking a different one of these parables and unpacking it together, looking at it together, and applying it uh, to our life. We kicked off the series last week uh, with a look at why we love stories, and why stories resonate with us so much. And we looked at uh, you know, why Jesus used stories, uh, and, and the way that Jesus would use these stories, use these parables to help us to relate, to abstract spiritual concepts. He'd relate them to everyday life stuff to be like, oh, okay, I can understand that. Um, and he would use these stories to connect with people. And we looked at Jesus' first parable, the parable about the patch and the wineskins. 
And, and the main idea of that first parable is that God wants to make you new. He wants to make you completely new. He wants to give you a fresh start in him. And that until you understand who Jesus is, and until you embrace Jesus as Savior, uh, and begin to follow him as Lord, you're not going to be able to understand his teachings. You're not going to be able to understand uh, what he's teaching through the parables. And that Jesus can't just be you know, a patch you know, that we add on to our existing belief systems. We can't say, well, this is what I already believe. Oh, and I like what Jesus has to say, too. So I'm just going to add him on top like a patch. Jesus says it doesn't work that way. He's too, he's too different. You know, and he wants to make you completely new instead. He wants to totally change you uh, 100%. And, and like trying to make wine in an old, dried-up, used wineskin, the teachings of the kingdom of God aren't going to fit into your already established framework of how the world works. You know, all of us have an idea of, of okay, this is kind of like how I understand the world, how I view the world, how it works. Uh, and Jesus is saying that um, you're not going to be able to understand the kingdom of God that way. It's not going to fit in your, your preconceived notions. It's going to rupture it. And that instead, God wants to make you completely new. He wants to give you a new framework. He wants you to be spiritually born again uh, so that you can understand the kingdom of God through him. Understand the kingdom of God through the lens of grace by faith in Jesus Christ, God's son. So that's the framework that we're going to build on this week. Um, and this week, we're going to be looking at the parable of the soil. It's in Matthew chapter 13. If you have your Bible, awesome. If you do not have your Bible, it's going to be up there on the screen. Uh, but it's the parable of the soil. And some of your, some of your Bibles may have it listed as uh, the parable of the sower, the parable of the scattered seed. It doesn't matter, right? I like the parable of the soil. Some of, the, some of them have the parable of the soil because that's what the parable is about. It's about different kinds of soil and how that, uh, how that relates to the conditions of our hearts. So it's going to be in Matthew chapter 13. If you've got a Bible, awesome. If not, words are going to be up there. Um, if you're taking notes, that's even better, right? And if you didn't bring anything to take notes on, then maybe your neighbor just lets you kind of like take notes on their arm. And you could take a picture of it and send it to yourself later. Um, okay, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to start in verse 3 um, with the parable of the soil. Matthew chapter 13, start in verse 3. So it starts with the pronoun he, but we understand from earlier in the chapter it's talking about Jesus. Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 3, it says, Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on the footpath. So on the path, on the sidewalk, uh, some seeds fell there, and the birds came and ate them. Or I guess in the Drain translation, the neighbor cat came and ate them. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock, and the seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. Verse 6, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew, that grew up and choked out the tender plants. And still other seeds fell on fertile soil, good soil, that produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So with some of Jesus' parables, he provides an explanation to help us to understand what it means, right? And this is one of those that needs, that needs a deeper explanation. And he gives us that. Um, and begins to explain and what, what this parable means a little bit later in the chapter, starting in verse 18. And if you're following along in the Bible, we're going to pick up in verse 18, but don't worry about this huge chunk that we're skipping because we'll, we'll come back to it, okay? Uh, so let's look at verse 18 and 19. So as Jesus begins explaining the parable, he's explaining how this analogy works, how, you know, the, what, what, what does the seed represent? What does the, the soil represent? He starts to break that down, starting in verse 18. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath 
represents those that hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So last week we talked about how the teachings of Jesus would be impossible uh, for someone to understand or accept if they'd not yet begun following Jesus and their hearts had not yet become regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That we need God to make us new and that until God makes us new, we're like the soil on the footpath. You know, our hearts are hard, uh, like that hard, compacted soil, and the Word of God just hits us and bounces right off. It never penetrates. It never bears fruit like it should. Um, and so, so, so that's when, with this analogy of the path, he's talking about the soil of the path. Think hard, dry, compacted, and any kind of seed that gets thrown at it just bounces right off. Like you were trying to throw seed at the sidewalk or the pavement out there, uh, it would bounce right off. So when you hear the Word of God and do not obey it, or when you reject Jesus and re- reject the Holy Spirit's work at tilling up your heart uh, to make it good soil, um, it's like you're throwing seed on the pavement. It bounces right off and it never penetrates like it should. And Jesus explains a little bit more how this works in this section that we skipped. So if we jump back to verse 10, um, he kind of explains a little more, man, what, what this means for us to have uh, a hard heart, you know, that, that, that can't understand uh, the, the Word of God, that is unreceptive to the Word of God. Um, jumping back to verse 10, Matthew chapter 13, verse 10, he says, His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to the people? And he replied, You are not permitted, or you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they'll have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken from them. This is why I use parables. And he quotes the Psalms here. For they look, but they don't really see, and they hear, but they don't really understand. He said, you're permitted to understand, or you're able to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven because you've embraced me, you're following me, you're obeying uh, my teachings, and so you're able to understand. But there's those that, because they don't obey me, they've not surrendered to me, that their hearts are still hard and they're not able to understand. To them it doesn't make any sense at all. For you, uh, you it says when you you listen to my teaching, what's implied there is not just listen, but when you listen and obey my teaching, more understanding will be given. So you're going to get a deeper level of understanding. But for those uh, that are not listening... And it's not going to make any sense at all. Um, and it says, what, man, even the little that they have is going to be taken from them. Jesus goes on to explain how his teaching with parables and his teaching in this way is going to be a fulfillment uh, of a judgment given hundreds of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. What had happened, God's, God's people had become rebellious. God's people had turned away from him and instead were worshiping idols. They turned away from God and had turned towards sin. Um, and God's judgment upon them would be that his word... And, and, and God, God's word softens our hearts. It brings us life when we receive it. Um, but instead, that God's word, word would harden the hearts of those that reject it. You know, when we choose to harden ourselves uh, to God, when we choose, our, choose to reject God, he turns us over to that hardening process. He says, you know, if you're going to harden yourself against me and, and my word, I'm going to give you over to that hardening. Um, and, he, and that's what he does. And we end up in an even worse place than we started. You know, and with that hard, rebellious heart, it's impossible for us to understand the teachings of Jesus. Picking up in verse 14, it says, This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, When you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they close their eyes so their eyes cannot see. Their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Did you catch the heart of God there at the end? God wants to heal them. God wants to restore them. You know, he wants to fix 
what's gone wrong, right? He wants to, to redeem them. He wants to set them, set them right, restore that broken relationship, wants to soften their hearts. But he says that, that man, they've, they've hardened themselves. They've stopped up their ears. Um, and, and so they don't hear. They don't turn to me and let me heal them, let me restore them in that, in that way. And what that means for us is that if we fail to understand and obey the words of Jesus, man, we're giving our lives over to our sinful nature. We're giving ourselves over and inviting God's judgment upon ourselves. It's an idea that, that Paul fleshes out in the first chapter of Romans, uh, you know, explaining that, man, as we harden our hearts, God gives us over uh, to that hardening. And as, as, as we harden ourselves and stop up our ears to God's word, it, you know, God, God makes it to where God's word actually causes us to harden our hearts and stop up our ears even more. Uh, so we kind of double down in this vicious cycle, going deeper and deeper into sin, more and more uh, entangled by sin, the more we reject God's word. And I was talking about this idea uh, with a friend of mine, Curtis, and he had a great example. It's like the guy who ignores the teaching of Jesus um, about do not look at women lustfully, right? That he hears that teaching, okay, I'm not supposed to look at women lustfully, and he ignores it because it confronts his secret porn addiction that he doesn't want to deal with, right? So he's like, okay, I hear that teaching, but I'm going to ignore it because I've got this thing and, and I don't, I don't want to change that. Um, and what he's going to find is, is that the more he ignores the teachings of Jesus, he's going to become more and more a slave to that addiction. Um, he's going to find himself more gripped by it, more captivated by it, um, find himself given over to more shameful, more depraved fantasies. You know, whereas surrendering to Jesus would have brought him freedom, um, rejecting Jesus makes the slavery even worse. You know, this is the judgment of God. So, so man, as you guys are sitting, man, sitting in Calvary, sitting in a Bible study, sitting in church, and you hear the Word of God, and I want to encourage you to receive that Word of God and obey it. Because if you reject it, if you stop up here and say, hey, I'm not, not going to hear it, and here's the warning from Isaiah, the warning that Jesus again reiterates, you're going to be in a wor- end up in a worse state. That what the Word of God is going to do is harden your heart even more. You're going to be even more uh, entangled in sin. And so these quotes from Isaiah are a judgment pronounced on those who would reject the words of God and reject Jesus. You know, their hearts are going to become even more hardened, and they're going to be even more entangled in sin. This is what Jesus says to those who have embraced them. In verse 16, he said, But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. This is what he's saying to his followers, the people that have been obeying him. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. He says, You guys have been given the ability to hear and understand. The Holy Spirit has opened up your eyes. You're able to see. You're able to understand. You're able to follow me. Um, and, and he tells them even more, the things that you are hearing, the things that you are seeing, and people have been waiting for this forever. Hundreds and hundreds of years, you know, prophecies had been coming about the Messiah. That God would send to deliver. Going back all the way to Genesis. Um, you know, so hundreds of years before Jesus, these prophecies that God's going to send a Messiah to set things right. God's going to come himself, God with us, Emmanuel, and he's going to fix things. Um, and these prophecies are coming, and, and, and Jesus says, man, people have been waiting for centuries. People have been waiting forever, you know, for, for God to send his son, for the Messiah to come and set things right. And you guys are getting to witness it. You guys are getting to live it, um, be eyewitnesses to what people have been waiting for forever. Right? Being able to hear teachings that people have been longing for forever because fulfilled in Jesus, um, hundreds and hundreds of prophecies, over 300 different Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled uh, in, in the life and person of Jesus Christ. And he says, man, people have been longing for this, and, and, and now you can see it. Now you can experience it. You know, so those that reject Jesus are like the hard soil on the path. Uh, and Jesus says the word of God doesn't penetrate uh, it doesn't penetrate the word of the path. It's like throwing, again, throwing your seeds on the sidewalk. It's just going to bounce right off the pavement. Um, and he also says that the enemy comes and he steals it away. 
Um, and I'm just going to touch super briefly on that, uh, the, this idea that, that, that there's an enemy. And if you guys don't and aren't familiar with that concept, man, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of it. Man, there's a real enemy of your soul. Um, there's, there's God who loves you and a very real spiritual enemy that hates your guts, right? And wants, wants, to, see you, wants to see you defeated and separated from God. And, and Jesus explains that, that this enemy steals away God's word. When you reject Jesus, when you, when you harden yourself against God's word and God's teaching, that the enemy comes and steals away that word before it has an opportunity to do its work on your heart. Um, that the enemy, Satan, he blinds uh, the people of this world, uh, and, and they desperately need the Holy Spirit to lift that veil, to lift that blindness. Um, and just for the sake of brevity, I've got two verses here that we're, uh, I'm just going to throw up there real quickly. You can jot them down if you want to to look at later, but we're not going to spend a lot of time there. Second um, Corinthians chapter four, verse three and four tells us that uh, Satan, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those don't be, that don't believe. Uh, that, that there's people uh, that man, they don't they they don't perceive God, they don't understand uh, the teachings of Jesus, they don't understand man why why are people why would even someone believe that there's a God and they've been totally blinded to spiritual things by the enemy by Satan. Um, the, the the good news man when they hear it it's like it's coming through a veil and they can't really see it or understand it or perceive it. But then this verse we looked at last week, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, man, it says it's not hopeless, though. It's the Holy Spirit that lifts that veil. That, that, that no matter how blinded we are, no matter how much the truth is veiled to us, the Holy Spirit can lift that veil. And he says that happens when we turn to Jesus. That whenever someone turns to Jesus, whenever someone turns to the Lord, that veil is taken away. Right. So even if, even if your heart is, is that hard, compacted, dried out, pavement heart, Right, that just nothing is getting through, no truth is getting through. That it's not a hopeless situation. That you can turn to Jesus, and the Holy Spirit can soften even that heart, lift the veil of your understanding, and be like, "Oh, okay, now I see you, Jesus, for who you are. Now I understand you, God, for who you are and what you want for my life." And Holy Spirit can till up that heart, and no matter how dry, how compacted, how hard it is, God can make it good soil uh, for you. All right. So the rest of the parable deals with the other kinds of soil where the seed does penetrate. But then in the first couple, there's still some difficulties. So the first of those we're going to look at is that of the rocky soil. And for the rocky soil, I want you to picture dirt it's like with a lot of rocks in it, right? Big rocks, little rocks. Uh, you know, and it's tough for a little plant to, to get up and grow in that because it's just super stony, very rocky. Um, and Jesus explains what it means that if our hearts are like that rocky soil. So, so looking at verse 20, he says, The seed that was in the rocky soil represents those that hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. Immediately receive it with joy. See, I want that. Jesus, yeah, sign me up, right? Or, okay, this, this command of Jesus, that sounds good. I think, I think that'll improve my life. I definitely want that. And it says they receive it with joy. Verse 21. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing the word. You know, in, in over 10 years of ministry, I've seen so many people, so many students, so many young people uh, turn to God to receive Jesus' gift of salvation, or, or they'll, they'll, hear, they'll hear a command from God that, that requires some action in their life, requires them to change some things in their life, and, and their immediate reaction is that of joy, like, yes, Lord, I want to obey, I want to do right, and may, maybe that initial, that initial reaction is, is, is impulsive, or it's emotional, uh, but whatever it is, they, they, they embrace it right away and say, yeah, I want that. Um, but because they fail to put down any roots, because they fail to walk that out and build spiritual disciplines into their life that would help them continue to live for the Lord, as soon as things get hard, as soon as things get difficult, they fall away. They're gone. So where do they go? You guys maybe have friends like that, that like you saw God doing something in their life and then stuff got tough. And where did they go? Where are they? 
Um, and, and, and that's what Jesus is describing here with the rocky soil. There's some that'll, that'll embrace God. Man, they, they hear, and I get it, right? I, I totally get it. You hear, you hear the good news of Jesus. I can have all my sins forgiven. I can have eternal life. Yeah, I want that, right? The, the, there's a command that, that, man, if I start obeying it, if I start living this way, it's going to make my life better. My life will please God. Yeah, I definitely want to do that. I get that, I get that quick reaction of, yes, that's good. Man, if we don't if we don't put legs to that, if we don't put that into action, if that doesn't begin to play out in our life with us developing discipline, um, beginning to, to to pray each day, to study the Bible each day, to begin eliminating sin in our life and building um, and relationships that are going to encourage us in our faith and being obedient to God and the things He asks us to do, if we don't begin to build those disciplines into our life, um, and then as soon as difficulty comes, as soon as trouble comes, man, we forget God, we forget whatever kind of commitment we make. Uh, and we wither, and like these plants that are that are in the rocky soil that never really have root. Um, and things are going to get difficult. And I, I want to—I don't want you to be uh, unaware of that. Things are going to be difficult. Being a Christian doesn't mean that life is now easy, or that like all your problems are going to go away. Not at all, right? That, that yes, you know, our our sins are forgiven. Yes, we've got a home in heaven with God. Uh, yes, we've got peace and joy in the middle of middle of any kind of difficulty. Man, there's still problems. There's still really awful days. There's still man, financial mess, and there's still health problems, and there's still relational drama, and there's still all that kind of stuff. Basically, all the troubles everyone else has, the Christian has them too, right? They, they, man, you don't become a Christian, and all your problems just vanish. I wish that were the case. I would love that. But it's not the case. And in fact, it's the you know G- Jesus says, he, he as much as guarantees that we're going to have trouble, he says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. You're going to have problems. But he says, take heart, because I've overcome the world. Because in this world, you will have trouble. Don't be ignorant of that. You're going to have problems. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have really tough situations. But be encouraged. Take heart because Jesus has already overcome it. And he's going to be with you through it. He's going to give you peace and joy to endure it. And it's not going to overcome you. It's not going to beat you no matter how dark it gets, how rough it gets. But I don't want you to be one of those that, man, as soon as those difficulties come um, and you turn tail and run from God, you say, man, I'm, I'm throwing in the towel. I can't do this Christian life thing. It's too hard. It is going to be hard. But you don't do it alone. Right? You've, got, you've got Jesus living inside you by his Holy Spirit. You've got a community of believers encouraging you, there for you, to, to, to care for you, to pray for you, to encourage you. Um, and don't give up when things get difficult. Don't give up when things get hard. You know, so we need to hear God's word and then take steps towards obedience. That's how we make sure that our hearts aren't like that rocky soil. Um, like I said, walking out our salvation and, and building into our life times of prayer, uh, times to study God's word, times to turn from sin. You know, if you think of it, if salvation, if that day that you first give your heart to Jesus, that first time you pray the prayer, yes, Jesus, um, I'm putting my trust, my faith in you. If the salvation experience is like a wedding, you know, then discipleship is like the marriage, right? The the, the wedding day is great. And I hope all you guys get a chance to have a wedding day. Um, They're they're fun, right? They're good. Uh, But but man, that's not it, right? It's not like it's not like the wedding day and then roll credits. That's the end. No, you've got an entire marriage. You've got 30, 40, 50 years on on the planet with this person, um, and of which the wedding day will just be a little drop of nothing uh, c- compared to this lifelong relationship you have with this person. And and so so if the salvation experience is like the wedding, then then discipleship is the marriage. And what God wants from you, God doesn't want you know j- j- just a one time. Ceremony, a one-time deal, a one-night stand. He wants a lifelong commitment from you. Lifelong commitment. So yes, Jesus, I'm going to follow you now and always. I'm going to live for you. That, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of soil, that's the kind of heart he's looking for uh, from us. So some of you uh, have made pretty recent commitments to Jesus. 
that you just began walking with Christ maybe, maybe in the last few months or just this last year, uh, my encouragement to you is to put down those roots, to grow in maturity. Find people that are, that are older in their walk with Christ or a little bit farther ahead down the road that can pour into you, invest into you to help you to grow in Christ. Uh, and don't be one of those um, shallow believers, right? They, 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 they attend things, they go to Christian functions, but they never really have any depth. They never really grow in their relationship with God um, because those shallow believers are those that fall away when things get difficult. Um, so don't be one of those that Jesus says, man, those aren't, aren't going to last very long. That's the rocky soil. The next one is and the, the, the seed that fell among thorns. So for this one, you can kind of picture the, 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 the soil where you've got the thorny bushes kind of interweaving it, the thorny roots interweaving it. But it's, again, it's tough for seed to really grow in those kind of conditions. Verse 22, Jesus says, And the seed that fell among the thorns represents those that hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, and no fruit is produced. Jesus says there's two things and that, that are going to choke out your faith. They're going to choke out uh, your ability to obey God's word. Um, and those two things are the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. And that seed that's planted, it never really bears the fruit that it should um, because these things grow up and they stifle that seed. And so, the, so, so how do the worries of life keep you from serving God? How do the worries of life uh, keep you from obeying God and following God? Um, you may say, man, I mean, I'm really excited about following Jesus, but I'm worried about, man, what are my friends going to think about that? What's my family going to think about that, right? Um, and, and the fear of what other people are going to think or how they're going to perceive you now as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Man, that, that, that fear, that worry, man, it can choke out your faith. You can be like, man, I don't really know if I want to be that, be that loud about this. I, I, what are people going to think of me? What's my professor going to think? Right? What are my classmates going to think? And other worries are you know, financial kind of worries that, okay, God, you know, the, the, the Christian is supposed to commanded to be generous, right? We're commanded to, 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 to tithe, to give to the Lord, and be generous with other people. But we get worried about money and say, man, if I'm generous with my money, how am I going to eat, right? If I get, give my money to other people, who, who's going to take care of me? And those kind of worries keep us from following uh, the commands of Jesus to be generous, right? And, there, and there's other, other things that we can say, okay, well, well God, you're commanding me to a life of purity. But again, worrying about peer pressure and what other people are going to think. Or, man, is my life, I worry my life is not going to be as enjoyable if I don't do these things over here. When, when the truth is that, man, God can give you best possible life, full of joy, full of fulfillment. Man, that doesn't have anything to do with sin, but the worry is that I'm missing out. I feel left out. I see, man, I see all those guys doing that over there, and I feel like if I don't do that, I'm left out. And those worries are like thorns. They're going to choke out your faith, choke out your ability to obey God. He said the worries of life and also the lure of wealth. I mean, our desire uh, to be wealthy, our, our, you know, our greed, um, our, our draw towards materialism and, and that kind of financial success, man, that can also... Uh, stifle God's word in our life because we begin making an idol out of money, make an idol out of stuff. And instead of drawing near to the Lord, our lives become about how much stuff can I get? Can I get a nicer car than that guy? Can I get a bigger house than the guy down the street? And, and our lives begin to come, come about those things. And we make decisions based on that. If I've got two jobs available. You know, I'm making the decision on which one has the best benefits, which one's going to pay me the best, or am I going to pray and see which one does God want me at? Maybe God wants me to take the job that doesn't pay as well because he wants to use me in that company as a light for him, right? And so, so the, the lure of wealth, if we're always chasing wealth, always chasing the paycheck, always chasing bigger stacks of dollars so we can fill up, you know, like Scrooge McDuck, a whole tower full of money to swim in. Um, well, that would be a lot of fun, but if our life is about chasing that, um, we're going to miss out on what God has for us, right? And when decisions come down to what is most financially viable instead of what is the Spirit of God leading me to do, and that's going to choke out. That's going to be a thorn that's going to keep you from really growing uh, and maturing in your relationship with God. 
And so that, that, that's the thorny soil. So the last kind of soil uh, that Jesus describes, he says, man, it's not all bleak and hopeless. There's also good soil. There's good and fertile soil. Um, and we'll wrap up with this, verse 23. It says, the seed that fell on the good soil represents those that truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So, man, there's a way to get your heart to the place and where you do, you receive God's word with joy and then you obey it. And what happens is you grow, you mature, and your life bears fruit. And, and I want to be the kind of soil that bears fruit, right? I don't want to be the kind of soil that, that God sows into and he doesn't get any kind of result, right? Um, that, man, I, I want to be soil that, that, that in the way, the way we become not rocky, not thorny soil, not hard, compacted soil, is, is to be yielded to the Holy Spirit, obedient to God. When God speaks, that we're quick to obey. You know, when we come across a command, uh, of God, I mean, it doesn't line up with our life, that, that, that we make a change, right? That we, we sense the Holy Spirit leading us away, that, that we're, we respond to that, we obey that. Um, that's how we can have that kind of good soil. And I'd love for all of us in here to be good soil. And every single one of you, I'd love to see you be good soil. You know, the parable of the soil is about how we receive God's word, how we receive an invitation to his kingdom, you know, the gift of freedom, the gift of salvation. It's about how we respond to his commands. And if we receive him and yield ourselves to him, you know, if we receive and obey his commands, then we're going to be good soil that he promises exponential growth, 30, 60, 100 times, you know, whatever's been invested, he's going to see that kind of growth uh, in our life. And, and, and so whatever that looks like, whether it's and you growing and maturing and, and, and becoming a, a person of character that you never dreamed, that, man, you're thinking about, man, the person I used to be, and, man, where God's brought me now, I never would have dreamed God could have brought me here, right? And the kind of places God, God's going to place you as you become a person of, uh, of influence, that God will use you as a, as a leader, he'll use you to, to influence others, and he's going to bear fruit in your life. And he said, as, as you continue to yield to him, continue to be obedient to him, uh, you're going to see more and more fruit, more and more even exponential uh, growth and fruit in your life. Um, one last verse to close with. It's going to be Galatians chapter 6, um, verse 7 through 9. Galatians 6, 7 through 9. And Paul here is writing to the, the, the church there uh, in Galatians. He says, A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from that flesh will reap destruction. And whoever sows to please the Spirit, from that Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time... We'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And Paul's breaking down this, this gardening metaphor again. He says, so whatever you sow, you're going to reap. So if I, if I harvest pumpkin seeds, provided the cat doesn't come and dig it up, right? Over time, it's going to produce a pumpkin plant, right? So whenever you sow, you're going to reap. And, and, uh, and, and he's saying, saying here that, that whatever God invests in you, and if, if you allow yourself to be good soil, it's going to bear fruit, right? If, you, if you're saying, God, man, I want you to make... Make me into this kind of person. I want to have character. I want to have integrity. I want to be wise. You know, I want to be a good steward, man, of everything you've entrusted to me. I want to be kind, compassionate. I want to be this kind of person. You may have someone you look up to and say, man, I really want to be like that guy because I really admire, man, who he is in the Lord. Um, and whatever the Lord sowed in there, it's going to grow if you're patient, right? He says you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. And he says specifically, man, the, this, this law of sowing and reaping, of gardening, of harvesting, um, it, man, it, it works in both areas. It says, man, if you, if you live a kind of life where you're just about pleasing the flesh, just, just about doing what feels good and, and, and feeding that, those sinful wrong desires, man, from that, that sowing, you're going to reap a harvest. It's going to be a harvest of destruction. And that stuff's going to wreck your life if you keep messing around with it. But he says, on the other hand, man, if you sow in the Spirit, 
if you, if you yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, make yourself obedient to God, obey Jesus, follow Jesus, and from that you're going to reap eternal life. From that you're going to reap eternal life. Uh, and again, Jesus says 30, 60, 100 times, right? Beyond what we can imagine and wrap our head, heads around, God's going to fill our life with abundance. Uh, and that's what I would love for each and every one of you, God, to experience the fullness of life that God has for you, the fullness, uh, the abundance that God has for you. When, when Jesus is here offering uh, eternal life, I mean, he's offering it as one that conquered death himself. And the good news of Jesus Christ is, yes, he was crucified on the cross, but also God raised him from the dead three days later. He conquered, he conquered death for you. He conquered sin for you. So when you put your trust in Jesus, man, we know that we have eternal life with God. He says, whoever puts their trust in me will have eternal life. You know, so whenever this life on earth is over, man, we have eternity in heaven with God, eternity in union with the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, so my encouragement to you guys, man, is to embrace Jesus. Embrace Jesus, man, so in the Spirit as you feel God leading you in certain ways, man, to be obedient to Him in that way. Um, I want to pray and just take, take a second uh, for, for God to work on our hearts. So this, and th- this, this parable here, the parable of the soil, it's one of the earliest ones Jesus teaches, and it kind of becomes um, an archetype, you know, for, for, for the rest of the parables going forward, that if, that if you understand you understand the parable of, of, the, of the soil, and if you have the right kind of soil, man, all the other parables, all the other stories are going to make more sense, uh, and they're going to help you to develop and to be the person God wants you to be. Um, so I'm going to pray for our hearts. Um, and maybe you've got the, the tore up by the cat, cat poop heart, right? And that you just need God to, to heal that. Um, maybe your heart's hard. Maybe you just, man, this life has been rough, uh, and, and, and your heart is just reflecting that. that man, I've been stomped on so much that my, the soil of my heart is compacted, and hard, and I know God's trying to do something with me, but I feel like, like you said, it just bounces right off because I'm, I'm too hard. And I don't want to be hard, right? Uh, I want to be, be soft, good soil. Um, I need the Holy Spirit's help for that, right? And, and you maybe say, yeah, I maybe more identified that, that the, the rocky uh, soil that, 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 yeah, I'm a Christian, but, but man, I, honestly, man, I, I'm not, not pursuing Jesus uh, on my own. I'm not building in spiritual disciplines. I don't have much of a daily time with God, and I know I need to build those kind of things into my life to build those deep roots so that when difficulty comes, I don't end up falling away from God. Or maybe you'd say, man, I, I definitely identify with those thorns of, 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 uh, of worry that would wrap around my heart uh, and, and make, make me fearful, and that keeps me from serving God like I, I'd like to. Uh, Jesus' encouragement, man, we did, we did a series last semester on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, and Jesus' encouragement in Matthew chapter 6 is, is not to worry about your life. And that, in fact, that worrying is completely useless. You know, that no one by worrying can make your life any longer, right? If you're worried, man, I worry I'm not tall enough, right? No amount of worrying is going to make you even an inch taller, right? No one can extend their life by worrying. You can't change anything by worrying. Worrying doesn't do anything. So Jesus says, don't worry. Instead, trust God, and God's going to take care of it, right? So, so you're saying, man, that, that's me. I need, I need the Holy Spirit to help free me from just worry and fear. Or, or man, I'm putting too much of a prize on things that really don't matter, and pursuing stuff and wealth and, and status and all these kind of things that, that, that don't, aren't really eternally valuable. And those things are thorns to me. And, and Matt, I'd like you to pray for me for that. Um, so you guys bow your heads. We're going to take a second and just pray um, that God would work on our hearts. Holy Spirit, God, would you have your way in each of our lives, in each of our hearts? Um, God, we do want to be the soil, God, that, that responds to you. God, would you till up our soil, uh, till up our hearts, uh, make our hearts responsive to you. God, Holy Spirit, for those that have been blinded by the enemy, blinded by life, 
um, not able to see you, not able to perceive you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would lift those blinders. God, that they would sense your presence. God, they'd sense your nearness. Jesus, they'd see you for who you are. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, I thank you for going to the cross for us. God, for taking the punishment for all that we've done wrong. Jesus, you lived the life that we couldn't live. You died the death that we deserve to die so that God could extend us forgiveness and grace and mercy. And we thank you for that, Jesus. Jesus, we do want to receive you with joy. Um, and God, we want to follow you, God, for the rest of our lives. Not a one-time commitment, God, but a lifelong relationship with you, Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness, God. Thank you for your forgiveness. Holy Spirit, would you work on the hearts of each person here? God, God there, there's, each of us have elements of, of each of these different kind of soils, God, that we need you to deal with. God, would you soften our hearts? God, would you soften our hearts? Do you help us to obey you? Help us to follow you? Holy Spirit, if there's a particular area of our life that we're not obeying you, God, that it's a command we know that we've heard often, but we've kind of stopped up our ears to it, uh, to our, or, or our hearts are no longer sensitive to it. God, would you unstop our ears? Would you soften our hearts? Um, God, we don't want to become more and more entangled in sin and spiral deeper in sin, but God, we want to experience the freedom, Jesus, that you won for us on the cross. God, would you break the bondage off of sin off of people's hearts? tonight, God. Break the bondage of sin. Set people free. Help us to walk in that freedom, God. Turn from sin. Turn from things that don't please you, God, and live a life that honors you. Live a life that pleases you, God. A life that brings uh, eternal life for us, Lord, instead of destruction. Soften our hearts towards you. Help us to be obedient to you and honor you in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.